My name is David Rubelid. And I'm Zach Zienka. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm excited. This is the first episode kind of under our new podcast title and new direction. And Zach is going to be opening up and and kind of talking through some of the stuff that he's super passionate about. But to be honest with you, as I've gotten to know Zach, when I used to go over to his office and we just talk theology, other times we've done podcasts, I've learned so much from Zach around Old Testament, but specifically around the prophets. One of my favorite episodes that we did was on reading the prophets. Zach's passion, it's also his expertise, and I believe that you're gonna be encouraged and learn some new stuff today. But we want to talk specifically, it's one thing to open the Bible to the Old Testament. Um, I'd like to bring us also into focus around, it's 2022, we've been through a pandemic, Uh, we've been through all sorts of really heated moments in our cultural moment. And it's so easy just to look at our faith and the Christian leaders and what they're saying now, Uh, but what? do maybe the Old Testament prophets, what would they maybe have to say that is helpful for us as faithful followers of Jesus to maybe navigate in these times? And so I just want to start off, Zach, would you tell us maybe a little bit about the prophets and tell us a little bit about the works of the Old Testament prophets? Why are they important? Why are they there? What are they doing for us and for the original readers specifically? Yeah, I think one of the questions you you kind of proposed in there was, um, what do the prophets have for us now in this, in this year, 2022? Yep. And... It makes me think like if if I didn't really know much about the prophets, if they were um, kind of that oddball part of the Bible for me, when I, you know, earlier in my life, if someone were to come up to me and say, hey, we need to be reading the prophets right now, they're really important. My assumption would be that, oh, this person thinks that the prophets are about to give us some prediction about, mm-hmm. yep, yep. you know, the, the Ukraine war and the blood moon that happened a few weeks ago and, you know from when we're recording this and um, that that's the importance of the the prophets. So I think it's an interesting question in that almost my assumption, if someone were to ask me that right now and to say, I think the prophets are really important. We should read them. um, I might assume that they're thinking that this is because they think the prophets are all about the future, all about the end times and looking at the world around us. There are some who say this feels like the end times. It feels like predictions are happening. So let's go to the prophets. And I think when we say the prophets have all sorts of application for our life right now in the year 2022, uh, it's it's that there's really present messages found in the prophets. Um, just to think of the prophets themselves uh, is something we've, we've talked about before, but when you look at biblical prophecy, the Old Testament prophets, um, the vast majority of their work wasn't looking way into the future. In fact, it's estimated that about 5% of the Old Testament prophets have anything to do with um, Messiah and a a coming kingdom. And just about 2% of that has to do with the, the what we might call the eschatological future, the the end times. You mm-hmm. know, when Isaiah looks and says, "Behold, 
I see new heavens, new earth. Um, those kind of future looking things are actually quite rare in our prophets. There's really only about 5% of the total makeup of the prophets has anything to do with that. But it's funny because when we think about the prophets, when most people think about them, and if we were to say they're really relevant right now, yeah, that's what we're thinking of is the future stuff. And, and I think what I want to look at today is the, the 95%, that there's a real message there that is for us in 2022. It was there for us in 20, you know, 2002 and so on and so on. Um, but there's a real heart to what the prophets are saying that isn't just, hey, look to these signs. It's the end, if that makes yep. sense. Yeah, talk a little bit about the climate, uh, kind of current, the current, I guess you say the context that they were in both before exile and exile and that whole process. Talk about uh, what what God's people were going through in that moment um, while the prophets were kind of speaking out and doing their work. Yeah, so one of the, the biggest divides for the prophets is the exile and kind of um, where we divide their message and what they're speaking towards. So you have some prophets who are who are looking towards the exile, prophets like Isaiah, uh, Jeremiah, who are looking towards this moment that's going to happen in their future, um, where God is going to exile God's people away from the promised land and into Babylon or even earlier to Syria. And so um, that's kind of a, a demarcation between the between the two, where you have some prophets looking at the exile and saying, this is about to happen. Their prophecies are, are warnings, their judgments because of Israel's sin, because of their failure to the covenant. This is going to happen. And then you have some prophets who are who are after the exile, prophets like Haggai, who, who are looking back at that and saying, okay, God has exiled us. Um, so now what's next? What, what, what is our message now? Um, so, for example, of Haggai, he's one I've had on my mind. I've been working through a translation uh, of his, and um, he's focused on the temple and, and God uh, restoring the temple to its glory. And what do we need to do in the present to really um, secure God's presence with us? How do we as God's people need to change in this moment? And some pieces in Haggai are, are looking way in the future um, when God's presence fully dwells with his people. So, um, you, you do have this uh, divide between the, the two types of prophets, but really at the, the heart of both sides of exile is, is the prophets are looking at the people and calling them to obedience, calling mm -hmm. them to repentance, calling them to change. And they're looking and critiquing the, the social situations, the, the injustices. Sorry, my light went off. <laughs> <laughs> You're sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. Um, and yeah, they're, they're critiquing in, in that way. So the, the, the prophets can be seen as cultural critics. They can be seen as uh, covenant watchdog is a word that has been thrown around a lot, mm -hmm. particularly Tim Ackie, the Bible Project, yep. Loves yep. using that word. And, and I love stealing it and using it myself too. Um, but yes, they're very, they're very situated in the present and saying things need to change. Things need to be different right now. For them, you, so you use the term covenant for people who are watching or listening. Maybe they've heard that term, but they've never actually had it unpacked. What does it mean to be faithful to what the covenant asks? And how are they sinning or breaking kind of the terms of the covenant? 
Yeah, that makes me think uh, immediately of, of the prophet Hosea, who um, who's a, an incredible picture of of the covenant. This um, throughout the book of Hosea, there's this image here of of God and Israel in this almost marital relationship, um, where the the great story of the Old Testament is God has chosen these people um, and has bound Himself to them. And says you're going to be my people, and through you, I'm going to bless the nations, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, there's nothing very clear throughout the Bible. There's nothing special about the people God has chosen. It's just they're going to be His vocational vehicle uh, to bring about blessing, to bring about salvation. And God has partnered with them and has bound Himself to them and is going to work through them. And a, a part of them being in the covenant, a part of them receiving promised land receiving the law is that they are called to faithfulness to God on this side of the covenant. Um, he is to be their only God. They're called to follow him. And in, in doing so, that's how God's going to bring about the blessing to the nations is, is mm-hmm. through their obedience is how the old Testament paints it. So, yeah. So when the prophets see great failures on the people, when they start turning to other gods, when they, um, when they start living in ways that brings injustice throughout mm-hmm. the land, uh, that's God saying, you are not keeping up your side of the covenant. And, and that's where the, the prophets stepped in. They were the covenant watchdogs looking at the covenant saying, hey, God has asked us to do these things. We've been called to obedience because he has chosen us. And we're not doing that right now. And we're failing and we're seeing the consequences of that in our land. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Yeah. Thanks for that clarity. So what are some of the messages, if you could break down some of the messages specifically that the prophets, you see the prophets give to God's people, and then maybe even some of like the ways they give it, (laughs) some of the methods. (laughs) Yeah. um, I'm flipping through right now because I want to, I want to quote this well. So um, one that I love going to is in the book of Amos. and uh, I'll say this right here. Amos is one of my favorite prophets, uh, and I might say that about all of them, but Amos is one of my favorites, definitely my favorite minor prophet. Um, and he he's looking at um, the people, and he is, one of the interesting things he does is he starts with a list of judgments against the nations around Israel. And it's this really fascinating moment where he's judging them for their sin, and each nation that he says is getting closer and closer and closer to Israel. And then finally listed among all these nations is Israel. And it's as though they have become just like all the other nations (laughs) about them that, that has changed, even though they're supposed to be in the covenant with God. Um, But one of the things that, that Amos talks about, now this is Amos five. He's speaking on behalf of, of God and God says, look, I hate all your show, your pretense, I hate the hypocrisy of your religious festivals, your assemblies. I won't accept your burnt offerings, your your grain offerings, your peace offerings. Away with your noisy hymns. I will not listen to your music. Instead, I want to see a mighty flood of justice, an endless river of righteous living. And this is actually a pretty consistent message. We see the similar message in Isaiah. Isaiah 1. Yeah. Isaiah 1 has a very similar uh, message there to Amos. Where, where God is saying, look, I am so sick of your 
your religio religiosity. I'm so sick of your religious practices that have nothing, no meat behind them. Um, that God would plug his ears when, when his people were singing worship to him, that he would just get away with your festivals. I don't, I don't want that. Instead, I want to see justice and righteous living. And that I think is the, the core of the prophets is to say, um, it's really easy for us to follow um, some of the, the religious habits and practices. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's quite easy to do those mindlessly with nothing behind them. And, and the prophet's saying, look, you, you got blood on your hands. Like your, your weekly life is life filled with injustice. Um, you, you're oppressing the poor, the, the orphan, the widow, the kind of the trifecta of, of the, uh, uh, throughout the prophets. And, and God is saying, look, that's what I really care about. You got to get that right before you even start singing hymns, before you start practicing, before you start you know, diving into these religious ho holidays, get rid of that. I, I don't care about that until you get this right. And that's a lot of the core of the prophets is, is God getting at the core of what he really, really cares about. And I think that's the beauty of the prophets. You could read a book like Leviticus, mm -hmm. um, uh, which I know we all love to read, right? <laughs> and you could read a book like that. And it seems like, oh, these, these like very like rigid, um, specific. <laughs> yeah. Very specific practices. These are the thing that God cares about. If you just have Leviticus on its own, that's probably what it seems like. Yeah. But when you know the story before it, Exodus and the prophets coming after you see the real heart of God that's behind all those laws, behind all those rituals. These are the things he really cares about. Yeah. I love it. And David's repentance Psalm. I love it. Even before this moment, David's repentance song, he's like, okay, he's like, God, that's not what you desire. You, you desire a broken and contrite heart. And I just think to myself, you know, how oftentimes I've, I've worshiped without that heart. And yeah. it's like, you know, what's God hearing? What is he seeing? So with that, with that idea of like, you know, do away with your festivals and your hymns and, and that sort of message, how, how, how could, how could that maybe sit with, I hate using the term relevant It's overly, used. <laughs> how is that relevant for today? Um, but what, what sort of takeaway when we look, so when I, when I look at scripture, one of the things, and I, I think you're on board with this, but when I look at the practice of studying my Bible and um, exegeting and hermeneutics and all those big words, when I look at Probably the first question I ask is, is what in this about God, like what message about the heart of God do I need to pay attention to? Um, that's like the first first question I would ask. With that, how could, how could we look at that for today? What does it say about the heart of God for us as God's people, as, as worshipers, uh, as followers of Jesus? What could this maybe speak to us and reveal us about the heart of God and 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 our worship today? 2022 America, we've been through some weird stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think when reading the prophets and looking for for relevancy, which is a, a legit question. I, I completely understand not. I hate, I do hate that. How is this relevant? <laughs> um, but but it is something we ask, right? Yeah. If I'm sitting down reading scripture, I want to know what's the point, right? And I think 
I almost think that's why the prophets have been so neglected is because we, we haven't understood their role, right? So when we think that they only are concerned with the end times, well, but they don't really have relevance for me other than, than looking at some signs and being like, oh, seems like the end times are near. Um, or I think the other thing the prophets use for is just to look at the things Jesus fulfilled. So yeah, I, I think most people approach the prophets maybe during Christmas time. Let's yeah. go read Isaiah 11 and see how it yeah. talks about Jesus. And, and that's really it. So I think, I, I think having a good, healthy perspective of the prophets is, was one. I think the second thing too, is as you're reading the prophets, um, there is, um, there's a temptation to read the prophet and put ourselves in his role. So <laughs> to read Isaiah and say, I'm going to be like Isaiah, that I am like a modern day Isaiah. I'm looking at my church and I'm seeing all the things we're messing up in. So I'm going to go and I'm going to act like a prophet to my church. And I'm going to, and I'm going to tell them all the things we're feeling. And well, <laughs> when you think about the prophets, um, they were not beloved people. It's actually yeah. one of the things that blows my mind anytime I read them is just the fact that we have the works of the prophet because they were so unpopular. But Jeremiah talks about his book, half of his book getting burned by the king and having to restart over with his scribe to rewrite the book because it was so unpopular, this message. So it's, it's one of those things to say that, hey, being the prophet's not the goal here just yet. Um, and most likely were not in that role. It's, it was, they were the minority group, these prophets. They, they had to take an, an, a message that no one wanted to hear to others. I think the first thing that we have to say, say when we read these is, how am I the audience? Mm-hmm. Um, not how am I the prophet? How am I going to be the modern-day Isaiah? How am I going to be the modern-day Ezekiel? But how am I the audience that is hearing this? Or the things that the prophet is saying to me that's cutting to the core so, for example, like that passage in Amos, that's something I, I always feel deeply convicted on, particularly as someone who works in a church who organizes yeah. like the religious activities um, that I read that thing. And I say, wow, like there's something cutting to me right there. Yes, I don't practice peace offerings or grain offerings or new moon festivals. I don't do that anymore. But there is an easy bridge to my context. There's an easy, easy bridge to relevance to me to say, oh, there are there are ways in which I'm ignoring the things God cares about and replacing that with the easy religious activities. Um, so I would say, as you read through the prophets, put yourself as the audience. And there's always a you know a little bit of healthy warning to doing that because we aren't the audience mm-hmm. exactly right. We weren't about to be exiled. We aren't coming from an exile. But I think there's pretty easy ways to, to read the prophets and, and hear the heart of God and hear the critique that the, that the, the prophet has to easily go and say, oh, yeah, wow, I, I, am, I am not acting justly or uh, um, I'm missing the heart of God here. And, and not in a guilty way. I think the beauty of the prophets is they're always calling us back to a, a beautiful vision. Um, one that I always love reading is Isaiah 2, and that also corresponds with, um, uh, I should know this off the top of my head, I believe Micah, um, when it talks about, um, this is one of those future-looking things, right? When it talks about 
Um, they will hammer their swords into plowshares, mm-hmm. their spears into pruning hooks. Nations will no longer fight against nations nor train for war anymore. I think the second aspect here of reading the prophets is when we do get to those future-looking things, those things that are looking at the ideal, like Isaiah 2, when it's looking here at a world in which weapons are destroyed and turned into gardening tools, is when I get to those places, I then say, as a follower of Jesus, I am invited into um, into a taste of the future, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. As of Jesus, I have eternal life now. Because of Jesus, the kingdom of God is is here. It's not yet, right? There's that. That's a whole podcast episode too. Yep. But 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 because Jesus has given me a, a vision for the future, the way of Jesus is how the world is going to operate when He's King. Yep. When I read these passages that look towards the reign of the Messiah, that look towards the the new heavens, new earth, when they give me a picture like this in Isaiah 2, it then makes me pause and say, well, if I'm following Jesus now and and he's called me into eternal life, how can I and my community work to bring about a taste of these truths even now, right? When I read Isaiah 2 and I'm thinking of weapons being turned into gardening tools, how can I and my community around me be people who bring peace, who Mm -hmm. are tools of reconstruction and restoration, not tools of destruction? Um, How can I bring that about in my community? What could we do that would be like the experience of building a new garden, not building new guns, if that makes sense? So yeah. Um, I think that's another piece too. There are the future looking things of the prophet. And when we get to those, we have to ask, well, what's the taste of the future here? Yeah. And how could me and my community bring that about even now? Yeah. So, yeah. Though I think there's a couple of ways that it's so hard. The prophets, there's so many of them. There's so much depth to them. There's a lot of judgment. There's a lot of oracles against nations. But even within those, we can see pictures of our own heart. In our own communities too. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, real quick about exile. Uh, talk a little bit about exile because I think that there needs to be a shift in our understanding as followers of Jesus living in a empire, a nation our size, with the values that it does run by. Um, I think there needs to be a, a shift for many of us, or at least an openness to consider that we don't live in the promised land. Yeah. We live in an exile. So what are some of the what are some of the messages from the prophets to God's people in exile? And what can we learn from that? Yeah. Oh man, exile. It's, it, it, again, I'm like, oh, that could be a whole podcast episode too. <laughs> but exile. Um, I'll try to try to quickly say this. So I think one book in particular that deals well with this that sits in the prophets is the book of Daniel. And it's a pretty well-known story, I think, to most people who grew up in the church, you know, Daniel in the lion's den. Um, Daniel's unique in that it's one of the few narrative books that fits within the prophets. But Daniel is a great example of someone who is living in the midst of exile. He's living in Babylon. And you're watching his discernment between, okay, what are the hills I'm willing to die on for my faith, right? So, you know what? 
I, I'm going to stick to the kosher food laws. I'm, I'm not going to eat the way the Babylonians are going to eat. That's something that's important to my faith. And that's something Daniel decides to do. But there's other things to which living within an exiled world where Daniel does decide, you know what, for, for the better good, I am going to learn about Babylonian history and religion, and I'm going to read all their texts, right? Daniel had to read all the stories and be exposed to what we might say the media of Babylon. It That's had, a really fascinating way to say that. Yeah, he had yeah, to know. Good. He had to know the culture and the world. He didn't just live in a bubble eating kosher food and and yep. being excluded from the Babylon world. That's the temp- I think that's part of the temptation when we yep. talk about living in exile is to say, well, we're not of this world, so we're just going to have our own little bubble and our own movies and our own music and and have no relevance to the world around us. The book of Daniel does a great job of showing that that life in the middle of what are the hills to which are so important to my faith that I, I can't let go of? And the things to which it says, you know what, it's, it's not going to destroy my worldview if I, if I read this or I watch this, because it's going to give me a better understanding of, of life here in Babylon. Yeah. Um, another, I think another message is from Jeremiah. Um, and, and Jeremiah, you know, there's the classic, uh, I know the plans I have for the yeah. Lord. Yeah. Um, the other major piece there is, is, is God tells Jeremiah, Hey, get ready to spend a long time in Babylon. And while you're there, work for the peace of the city. And, and again, I think, um, I think when we have that exile and a healthy understanding, we are working to better our community in the way of Jesus. Right. I think, I think that's why exile is so important because. Again, there's that temptation for when we say we're in exile, that we're in a little odd spot here in our world. It's to say, for for some Christians, that sounds like, oh, yes, I'm not of this world. And so I can completely disengage because who cares? Jesus is going to come back. He's going to take me to heaven. And this whole world's going to hell in a handbasket, right? So who cares? But for, for, for the prophets, for Jeremiah, God's message to him was, um, was both one of Babylon is going to face judgment. That is definitely going to happen. But while you're there, work for the peace of the city. Don't just be passively sitting there waiting for it to, to go up in flames. Um, you know, th- there's, there's work to be done here. Build a garden. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually the image there. Jeremiah, build a garden, build a garden. Um, I don't want to take too much time, but Ezekiel is another great book too on on um, on exile, life within it. The, the Valley of the Dry Bones is a beautiful picture where return from exile and bodily resurrection are two ideas that are deeply tied together. Yeah. But there's something about resurrection, this thing that we hope for that's found in Jesus is like coming back from exile, um, that those two ideas are really connected to one another. Um, but I think, yeah, you'll see it so much throughout, but, but Daniel, I think if I would say read one book, it would be Daniel. That's really good. Cause I, I was raised in a very separatisty, um, background. Mm-hmm. I was raised Christian fundamentalist. And so it's very, very much a bubble. And it was, um, and so it almost speaks to the extremes that extreme, but then the other extreme of kind of like a syncretism of, of, I guess you could say, um, God's guns and Jesus, you know, <laughs> like it just, you know, it's, it speaks to kind of like both, both extremes. Um, 
we could think that, man, this this is the heart of God. And what we see then from Daniel is he's he's not on that extreme either, you know, and yeah. that's fascinating. And the way the way you talk about, you know, that's the news media too. Like I've never thought of that. <laughs> like that's that's fascinating because he he did he was fully immersed. I mean, he had students under him. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, that's crazy, man. Um, yeah. So, real quick, uh, snapshot. Uh, where do we see? Uh, maybe maybe just take a couple minutes here. Where where do we see maybe Jesus embodying the practice of a prophet as well? Yeah, you know, there's kind of the hey, Jesus was the the prophet, priest, and king, right? Mm-hmm. And I think prophet, in my opinion, is one that that we we downplay or or we don't really know how to handle that well. Again, I think. I think when um, when we think about Jesus as a prophet, I think it's easy to fall in those same pitfalls with thinking about the Old Testament prophets, that Jesus is the prophet only when he's seemingly talking about the end times, mm-hmm. um, like Mark 13, where it seems like all Jesus' concern here is with, uh, is with the end times. Um, and so, yes, again, there's those, there's those elements there, but um, the real prophetic activity of Jesus, I think, is found in the places that we might not always think of. So for example, the Sermon on the Mount, Mm -hmm. I think is a very prophetic text. Here's Jesus going and saying, Hey, you've heard this, but I tell you this, right? You have heard, do not, um, do not kill anyone. I tell you, if you have hatred in your heart, it's, it's about the same thing. There's a real prophetic power to what Jesus is doing there because he is pulling back the curtains, pulling back the layers to say there's something deeper here to the law, to the Torah. And that's so much of what the prophets did, right? Again, to the example of Amos, you may think it's important to follow the festivals and these sacrifices, but I tell you the real heart behind those is a call to justice and righteousness. Jesus is doing something in a similar vein as the prophets when he's talking about life in the kingdom. Um, So it's Sermon on the Mount is probably not one we would say we would, immediately think of as a prophetic text, but it's, it's like so in line with the tradition of the old Testament prophets. It feels like something you could find in a minor prophet and say, Oh, that sounds like an old Testament prophet. But sometimes we just don't think that because it's Jesus. T- yeah. Uh, um, a lot of his parables are very prophetic. Um, meaning they're, they're critiquing something of the day, whether it's critiquing, uh, uh, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, again, there's that um, tradition of the prophets of, of critiquing the world around them as Jesus looks at this, at the Pharisees and, and the Sadducees and, and saying, um, talking about them being like whitewashed tombs. Those mm-hmm. are that's very prophetic language. Um, so, so Jesus is definitely engaging in those activities of being a prophet beyond just the things that sound like um, end time predictions, if mm-hmm. you will. Um, and so when we're reading those, those pieces of Jesus, I will argue that most of the parables of Jesus are very prophetic in that sense, that they're calling us to some sort of action. They're calling us to an examination of our heart. That's exactly what the prophets were doing too. Awesome. Real quick, kind of last, last question. Uh, and we'll have in the show notes, my light keeps popping off. <laughs> I have to figure that out for future episodes, but um, uh, 
when we're, we'll put in the notes, Zach um, did, did some writing and there's a piece on how to read the prophets. So we'll include that in the notes and in the description. Uh, the other, the other piece that I would ask is if somebody who's watching and listening is like, I really want to just start getting into the Old Testament prophets and their work and understand them. Uh, where do they start? Yeah. So I, I would give them two paths. I would say, if you're really invested, start with Isaiah. Um, he is, he is one of the first ones to read. Um, it is a little bit long. So if, if you're not, if you're not completely committed, you might get burnt out by it. And I wouldn't want to see that happen. So then I would suggest the book of Amos. It's a lot shorter. Um, it's a very similar message to Isaiah, something you could engage in and seek your teeth in. But Isaiah is a book that I I'm constantly reading, and I, I think it could be a book you'd find yourself going back to over and over again and, and, and pouring hours over. So, yeah, those would be my two recommendations. Awesome. Thanks so much. And uh, I, I, I just appreciate you guys watching and listening. Uh, if uh, we, We're going to have future episodes coming, but you're going to find some of these same patterns and conversations coming up, and we just wanted to get you – uh, kind of get your feet wet in the profits because um, I think Zach does a really good job of of helping us understand as we look to engage in Scripture, what's their work and why do they do what they, or why did they do what they do and how do we understand them? So thanks so much, Zach. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. Like I said, uh, that'll be in the show notes. Uh, how do you read the prophets? Um, Zach wrote kind of that piece for you. Um, but we will see you uh, next episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. Mm-hmm.